you're currently working through a hard situation, you're wrestling with doubts about God or the church or Christianity, or you just genuinely don't know what's going on with life, I'm excited for you to listen to this episode because we tap into a concept that I found really helpful that I think you will as well. And it's the concept of the Saturday or the in-between. Now you might be wondering what in the world is the Saturday or the in-between? Well, it gets its roots in the idea that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. He rose again on a Sunday, but there was still that Saturday in between. A period of time where Jesus was still dead, when his disciples felt lost or abandoned or betrayed, where there were questions and unknowns. And yet that hard space existed in between what was a devastating but necessary act and the power of the resurrection, the restoration of coming back to life. That Saturday existed in the reality that something amazing was on the horizon, that transformation was around the corner. And many of us have found ourselves not just in one or two, but a myriad of Saturdays when we felt broken or lost or hopeless or confused, where we questioned, where is Jesus? Can I trust what he said? Is God actually real? Sharika and Megan of the In Between podcast uh, came and shared of their own experience, of their own process of navigating the Saturday. And I'm really excited for you to be able to hear that and to consider how this may help you to process through the situation you're in. You're listening to episode 57 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. Um, And I just thank you for this time with Sharika and Megan. And I thank you for how you are working in them and the ways that they have been processing and publicly sharing those moments of processing. And I thank you for how they are putting words to the space uh, around the in-between and those moments where it can feel like you are so far or you are so distant or you are so unreal. and so we just pray for your wisdom and guidance as we navigate that that topic in this conversation. We pray for the Spirit to speak, and above all, we pray that you're glorified. Let's pray in His holy name. Amen. So today I get the privilege of virtually sitting with Sharika and Megan, and I've known both Sharika and Megan for a number of years. We have lived in the same community. We've attended the same church. We've gotten coffee in the same spaces. We've had a lot of interaction and cross connection. Those who have been listening to the podcast may have already met Sharika from a previous episode where we talked about Well Ministries. Uh, I have Sharika and Megan on today because I have been following along on their new podcast, The In-Between. One, I want to say thank you both for being here. And two, what is the in-between, not the podcast. I mean, you could talk about that too, but this concept of the in-between, what does that mean? What is that referencing? I think one of the easier ways to explain it is probably, you know, in the Christian faith, we have Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, right? We attend Good Friday services and Easter services and all of that. But to get from death 
to resurrection, to hope. Jesus had to go through a whole day of being dead. That's how a lot of things go in our lives where loss, trauma, just really hard things, questions for God, you know, theology, oftentimes things in our lives metaphorically or actually die. And we have to go through a Saturday period. We have to go through a dark night of the soul where we don't know where Jesus is in things. We don't know if there's going to be any resurrection. We can't see the hope. We can't see the light. That's that's the in-between space. You know, that's the space that often we really learn and grow. It's just it's also just really hard and something that I think the church really has shied away from talking about. You know, we don't really have services on Saturdays in between Good Friday and Easter. It's not like churches are getting together to have a Saturday service. Like what would that service even be? You know, um, it would literally just be a lament, especially like here in the United States. We don't like to lament. We don't like to talk about those really hard things. I think that one of the importance for me is that there is so much growth and uh, learning that could happen on the quote unquote Saturdays. Um, but because we shy away from it, a lot of time it's missed and people either grow and don't realize it or miss their opportunity for the growth and get stuck um, because we just don't talk about it enough or we don't give people permission to grieve. And so I, I was really excited about this topic when it was presented to me because of the fact that I feel like a lot of people um, in church do feel like, okay, it's time for you to, you know, resurrection needs to happen. And when it, you don't see that yet, you feel like something's wrong with you. And instead of us giving people the time to go through their Saturday and meet Jesus in that. And so I think that's super important. And so we just try to give people that space and have those conversations. Well, and I really appreciate that you're using this podcast to name it because I think you're right. That you're, you're both right that the church often avoids the discomfort, the frustration, the unknowns that that space produces. And if we look at Christianity as a whole, I feel like we see that approach thread throughout, like even how we talk about salvation, right? Like you were this bad thing and then you got saved and now you're good. And when somebody feels like they're in between that space, <laughs> then something must be wrong. They must not have actually been saved or they must be betraying God. Like this in-between space is just a space that we want to avoid at all costs. And as I've been doing this questioning mini series, this concept that you are tapping into, nobody has said the phrase, the in-between or the Saturday, but their stories have reflected it. Their stories have reflected these moments where they were in the midst of the Saturday, but they didn't know what to do or what to make of it because no one had ever told them that Saturday had existed. And so like, I imagine for both of you, you know, you're doing this podcast, but I imagine that it wasn't you two sitting around and you're like, hey, you know what? Let's, let's do a podcast. Like I imagine part of what drove it was also that the way that this is, had impacted your own life, the way that naming the Saturday had influenced you personally. I'd love to hear a little more about that from whoever wants to share, you know, how did naming the in-between and the Saturday kind of lead you to want to do that publicly? For me personally, I um, kind of always felt it 
but didn't really know how to name it. I think Megan has really helped me name it. But I grew up around a lot of people who did have that kind of concept, you know, like, well, Jesus rose and that's it, you know, like, oh, the blood of Jesus. And that's the answer, right? But when you're going through, you don't feel that answer. It doesn't, it's not real necessarily. And it kind of like, uh, it can ostracize people if they don't, if they're not there yet and they don't mm-hmm. understand. I don't know. I just kind of always have maybe it's just the way I'm wired, but I've always like empathized with people where they are. I feel like there is, there's value in sadness and grief. Mm. Um, I don't believe we're supposed to be stuck there forever, but there's definitely value in it. You know, God's not gonna let you preach too much that you don't live. And so personally, I've, I've lived it. I've lived a Saturday. I know they exist. Most of the times it doesn't just tie up in a bow. We're not going to be on earth and things be perfect. It's just not a thing. It's just a broken space. Yeah. Personally, I definitely relate to it. Um, I'm in a season of waiting as we speak. And so it's really, I understand the questions that people might have. Yeah, I think for me, I spent, you know, many, many years before moving to Richmond, skipping the Saturdays, you know, Mm. if something died or just something happened, like childhood trauma or whatever, I had to, once I became a Christian, that was all supposed to go away. That was supposed to all be healed. I was supposed to jump right to resurrection and it never really happened for me. And so like Sharika said, I thought for a long time that there was something wrong with me that I either, you know, didn't pray the prayer of salvation right, or, you know, I was just at the core of me inherently evil. And so that's why I couldn't get it together. But ultimately it was really, I was just skipping the grieving process. I was skipping lamenting. I was skipping healing, really. Healing also comes in the Saturday. We don't really realize it, but healing is what starts to happen. And then we see the resurrection. Um, But I was always trying to skip that. It wasn't until I moved to Richmond that being part of the community, I got permission to actually hang out in Saturday and heal and question everything about God and faith and all of my theology and all of that. And I also got some really good therapy during that time as well. So I've all, I've been passionate about doing the podcasts and really talking about things because I spent more than half of my life as a Christian up to this point, you know, just skipping the Saturday. And I really prolonged healing by not letting myself sit in those really hard, dark spaces. Cause I was in those hard, dark spaces. I just pretended like I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that creates a really painful, but also dangerous space when you have a body of people that are supposed to be living authentically, but they're all trying to live like they're in Sunday. <laughs> like they're all going in Sunday best, smiling face. Like you're saying, it leads us to a place where when we aren't feeling that, we either convey it and feel fake, or we don't know what to do because everyone else seems fine, but I'm mm-hmm. questioning God right now, or I feel like I've been praying for this thing for a decade and it hasn't happened. And I, and the very place that is meant to be the place where full life erupts almost becomes the place where it feels like life is sapped from us. <laughs> yeah. And we lose people. Sometimes people just walk away completely from that space and we lose them all together. Yeah. I mean, I spent a long time <laughs> providing pastoral care for like, I mean, ultimately hundreds of young adults 
And even at that age, I can't tell you how many young adults I walked with who were on their way out because of, of things like this, because of, I, I grew up believing one thing and now I don't see it in the same way or it doesn't make sense or I don't understand it, but I don't see how I can fit in. And you know, what, what really struck me is how often there was never anyone that was walking away from Jesus because they didn't like who Jesus was. Like I never had a conversation with someone that that was the reason they were walking away. Every one of those times, the reason somebody was walking away was because of what, you know, Megan, you were just describing and what you just mentioned is how the Christ followers were failing to really follow Christ and how he lived these things out, mm -hmm. how he engaged Saturday, how he engaged people, how he was authentic or the structure itself, you know, kind of perpetuated that. Yeah. So what is something y'all would say, you know, to someone who has got a foot heading out the door? Well, like you were saying, it's it's never, almost never walking away from Jesus. What I would say is, you know, first of all, are you not okay with Jesus himself, like his character? I didn't always know really what his character was because it was tied up in theology, yeah. but there was still something, there's something that you know, like, okay, this isn't actually who Jesus is. Like, it's just a feeling, like you just, it's there, you know it. Don't just throw it all out. It's okay to kind of throw going to church out for a while, but find some people who can challenge you, but also let you be, you know, I'm not talking about find someone who's going to try to rush you through everything and, you know, just cause more harm because yeah. they're definitely in the church, but find people that will just sit with you and like, be okay with you hating church. Like I have some women here in Richmond that, I mean, I would tell them how much I hated church, how much I hated God even at times. And they just would sit with me in it and let me be where I needed to be and just love me. And now they'll tell me like, we knew you were not leaving Jesus. You just needed to, mm -hmm. you needed to hash some things out. You needed to be angry with him. You needed to voice it. And they just sat with me in that. And that was some of the most healing that I've had. So I would say find people that will just sit with you in the dark. Mm -hmm. They're there. Like there are people there. You just, you got to find them, but don't, unless you say, I do not like Jesus for who he is at all. Like don't just totally leave. Yeah. yeah. And I'm personally, I feel like just hearing, even hearing that, that, for me, the message is to the church, you know, um, more than the person whose foot is out the door. I feel like if we more often said, you know, instead of just saying we're sanctified, say, it, say we're being sanctified. If that was the words wording we used, if, if it was always known that we're always in a process of sanctification, we're always being sanctified. I feel like you'd have less people sticking their foot out the door. Uh, but also sometimes once the person's foot is out the door, it's almost better for them to go out there and have those questions because they get real with Jesus. You know, you get to a point, Jesus will meet you in the pit. Once you're in there, oh, he will meet you there. And if your eyes are open, um, you might meet him in a way you had never seen him at church. So it's not like I, I want to push people in the pit, but I understand the value of the pit so much that it's almost like, you know, you might be around the brink of the best thing that ever happened to you if you do walk away knowing that this is not Jesus. Mm -hmm that Jesus isn't doing this thing to me. Um, and you're actually questioning, but still kind of looking for him. 
Because yeah. um, I feel like I heard a sermon the other day that said there's a difference between disbelief and unbelief. And I feel like sometimes we have a little bit of disbelief. And if we take that disbelief to Jesus and allow him to answer questions, we come out better for it. But when we're not allowed to look at our disbelief and we try to hide it, it becomes unbelief. We become hypocritical and we bury it. It becomes unbelief and then we can't talk to him at all. And that's where we're in a dangerous space. Um, but when you're questioning, Jesus will answer your questions. So um, that doesn't make me too nervous. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy is, you know, we avoid this idea, like you were talking, Megan, about being able to vocalize, you know, I'm, I'm really mad at the church right now. I'm really mad at God. Like, like, that's something that, you know, I know growing up intrinsically felt like that's not allowed. Like, you're not allowed to, yeah. to say bad things about the church or about God. And what's hilarious is God could take whatever we throw at him. He has had a lot thrown at him throughout history, and he's he's been able to take it like a champ. Mm -hmm. He can take whatever we throw because just like what you described, Megan, that those women said that they were able to see that you just needed to process. It's not that you actually were throwing Jesus in the trash. And how much more so the God who created us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, like he knows whatever we say to him, he knows what's actually within us. So he can take what's said but yeah we we don't we don't create those spaces and i think part of why we don't create those spaces is the other thing that we've been saying is we don't understand the person and character of jesus the reason that we skip over saturday and present ourselves in our sunday's best is because we had this image of jesus who sitting on the throne almost looking down on us condescendingly unless we are packaged right and sitting right when in reality the person and character of Jesus is what you described, Sharika. Like, he's not just in the pit with us. Like he was, he was already in it when we arrived there. He caught us when we fell into the pit. We didn't realize he caught us, but he was down there. He caught us. And then he's been sitting with us. I share a story on one of the podcast episodes of a moment in my life where I realized that where I had, I was in it. I was in a Saturday. <laughs> like, it was a, it was a rough Saturday. And, and I felt like I was in this pit and that people were walking by and either didn't care or didn't offer to help or were mad at me for not getting out of the pit. And I was like, I don't want to be in the pit. And, and I'd gotten to the point where I almost felt hopeless. And there was this moment where I felt like it was almost like suddenly my eyes had adjusted to the darkness and I could see all the claw marks on the wall of where I futilely tried to get out. But then I turned and the next thing I saw was just Jesus sitting, like not trying to get out. He's just He's just sitting. And it was almost like this invitation of instead of exhausting yourself, trying to get out of this space, out of this moment, what if you just sit with me? <laughs> and it was like this, like this moment that switched everything because now the goal wasn't to get away from the Saturday. <laughs> the goal was to be with Jesus in the Saturday. And that's what scripture talks about, right? The share in the sufferings of Christ. I mean, he experienced the absolute worst Saturday in human history. <laughs> he was separated from God. He was murdered for something that he didn't do. He lived a perfect life and he had to go through all of that for the sake of people who wouldn't understand it, wouldn't accept it, who would say he made the wrong choice. <laughs> like all of that had happened before from his disciples. Like, on every single conceivable level, both physical, mental, and emotional, he experienced the worst Saturday ever. And now we have the opportunity to share in the sufferings of Christ. 
But what I hear y'all saying is like, this isn't just like a, a bonus thing where like, oh no, 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 just experience a Saturday and you can get this bonus stuff. Like it almost sounds like this is a necessary vital part if we want one healing and two, to actually know who Jesus is. I think so. When I heard, um, actually heard about, it's called the U diagram, which is like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Um, I heard about it from the Allender Center. They do a lot of sexual abuse, mm. childhood sexual abuse recovery uh, for adults. And I spent a week there. It was a week of Saturdays. I mean, it was hell, it really was. But it was really helpful to me. And they talk about that there. And I had never heard of it before. And until I really heard of that and was like, oh, we're not supposed to skip over all of this. I felt like before then I had really been stuck in just looping thoughts in my head. And obviously therapy helps with all that too. But I really do think that in our faith, it is a necessary part for healing and for knowing God. Like we have to go through the dark times. We have to admit that there are things that have hurt us that are hurting us that we are upset with God about. And we have to actually like walk through those things. I don't think there's any way to walk through the sanctification process with Jesus without going through the Saturdays and acknowledging them. Um, I think that is really where healing starts. Yeah. So let me ask this, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this. And they're getting to a place where they're like, oh, you mean I can actually be honest about how I'm feeling? Oh, I can actually name that this is a junk situation. Oh, you mean that this is important to my healing? Like I have to go through this to get out. Let's say someone's at that place. That's still a hard bridge to go from like naming the Saturday to actually having any idea how to engage with the Saturday how to work your way to Sunday. So what does somebody do when they recognize the Saturday? How do they keep going? Personally, for me, uh, I feel like the first step is giving yourself permission to feel mm. and being honest with yourself and that it's okay. You may not be able to avoid people judging you. There's nothing you could do about that, but we don't have to be so harsh on ourselves. We do have that choice. If anger is really what you feel, Let's just be real about it. I, I'm a journaler. Not everybody handles it this way, but I, I literally just will write it in my journal, Lord, I'm angry. And the more I write, the more, I, you know, it comes out of me. I can kind of clear up a little bit of the things I'm thinking, but I feel like that's the first step is just allowing yourself first to feel the things and whatever way you express yourself, allowing yourself permission to do that, to express those feelings. Journaling is great. I've gotten a lot of good things out of journaling as well. But for me, I get stuck in my own looping thoughts mm. and cannot always get out of them, um, even with journaling. And so community has been really big for me, but also therapy has been huge. I've seen a therapist for the past four years, and she just helps get me out of the, the looping thoughts that I have and helps me separate truth and lies. And I think it's probably going to look different for everyone, but mm -hmm. acknowledgement mm -hmm. is definitely the first, like you have to acknowledge that maybe you have, because the church has taught you, you've handled things the wrong way and it stopped you from healing. But then after that, you know, journaling, therapy, prayer ministry, 
little bit of everything community, you know? Yeah. Before even all that stuff can happen, you know, you know, Sharika, you mentioned something that I think it's really worth pressing into. You said, you know, we should give ourselves permission to dot, 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 dot. And why I think that's important is I think we need to name the fact that we don't give ourselves permission, um, that we restrict ourselves, that we put up barriers, like that, that we are actually doing that. I saw something, somebody had written something that was kind of giving people an invitation. It was like, hey, look, if you want to spend your whole weekend binge watching a Netflix show and eating ice cream, you can do that. You, you know, right? and I don't remember, it said more than that, but it was this idea that you have permission to enjoy your life. And I read, read that and I immediately recognized the resistance within me that I would not feel like I would have the freedom to do that. And I immediately recognized it's because of the moments in my life that expectations were put on me for how time should be used and how productivity should look and how you should always be accomplishing something and not waste time and some really hard moments where that accomplishment mindset was pushed. And I was like, man, like I really could watch Netflix right now if I wanted, and I don't have to feel ashamed. And that's just a small example to bring into this bigger spiritual thing of we have culture been told you're not allowed to feel sad. You're supposed to be content in all situations. Contentment doesn't mean happiness. So, you know, like we said, you're not allowed to talk bad about the church or about God. But what we're talking about is a deeply internal work. There is a community piece of it, definitely for sure. But there is a deeply internal work. And we have the freedom to give ourselves permission to do that, (laughs) to step into that space. Mm -hmm. It made me think of 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. And there's all kinds of thoughts about what that means. But he gets into verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is a guy who had spent his whole life up to that point being told, being trained in, being guided around this idea of of accomplishment and becoming the best of the best, the top of the top, the spiritualist of the spiritual, like keeping all of the law, knowing all of the scripture. And this has been poured into him. And Jesus has already started the work in him, right? Met him on the road and said, you're persecuting me. Like, and you're gonna, you're gonna follow me now. And you're gonna know the pain of following me. And he has endured a lot of stuff up to the point where he's reading this, but now he's in this moment where there's this deeply eternal, internal brokenness that he just wants gone because the existence of that to him is wrong and is bad. And he pleads three times. And then finally he's like, okay, maybe instead of trying to mold myself into what I think I'm supposed to be or mold life into what I think it's supposed to be, what if I just acknowledge the fact that I've, I've taken this to God, he didn't change it. So maybe he's doing something different, right? It's like the whole pit thing. Mm-hmm. I prayed for God to get me out of the pit, but he hasn't done it. And oh, it's because Jesus is in here. And if I want to be with Jesus, then why would I want to leave the pit? Uh, and so, you know, we've got to break these, these expectations that we put on ourselves, that the church has built around what a good Christian is, that the world has put around. Mm-hmm. And learn what it means to just be authentic and to engage life authentically. But that's a hard thing. 
Yeah, and, and that kind of, it is, it is. Um, but the, when you're saying that, it's making me think kind of like the, there's like a second, I guess second is the best word I can come up with right now, but um, motivation for the in-between, right? For the podcast, I, like when you hear me say, adrenaline is my thing. It may not be Megan's thing, right? But sometimes in the church, we decide a thing is what's right. Journaling's right or therapy is right. And so then if I'm doing therapy, then I feel like the person who's journaling does not really know Jesus or vice versa. And I, what I really love about our interaction is Megan and I do not have to agree, but we are looking for Jesus in between those things, right? So I feel like, like Paul had this idea of God and then God took him through the pit to give him another idea of God. Um, and sometimes we're, we don't allow ourselves to go through that transition but God is there. God was with Paul before he's with Paul after he's there in the middle. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves the permission because the church has told us this is the right thing. And if you're not feeling the right thing, you're wrong. And that's mm -hmm. that. And so we don't get a chance to really know what's going on in me because I'm so stuck in the extreme I was brought up in, whatever that might be. So I think it's really important that we don't get stuck in extremes and that we do, I mean, allowing yourself to question allows you to open your mind to someone else's idea of something. Mm -hmm. They're probably not 100% wrong just because they don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. So and we, we try to get into those types of discussions as well. And I, I think it's really healthy for the church to be able to meet in those spaces. Yeah, we, we aren't content with existing. Like we want to arrive. Mm -hmm. like we want to know this is the way... To reach God. This is who God is. This is what, like, we don't like the journey. Right. And this is something too about that I like about y'all's podcast and, and what, you know, I strive for in my podcast. Your podcast isn't the thing. You haven't landed on the solution. Like, all right, here it is. And because if you did, then what your podcast would be is just here are all the things you have to do and all the things you have to know in order to go from Friday to Saturday to Sunday. No, y'all's your podcast is you two and your guests processing through this, walking through this. And y'all have even named it multiple mm -hmm. times. It isn't just that you had a Saturday five years ago and then you made it to Sunday. And now you're telling your story of how you took care of that. No, like Megan, I think you mentioned it like multiple Saturdays, like Saturdays still happen. And like, because like this is an ongoing journey thing. And what your podcast does is create Create a space to, to live out two really important things that the church also struggles with because we try to present ourselves in, the, in, a, in a certain way. One, you're creating space to personally process and you're doing so in a way that is open, which means it's public. People can see it. So you can't duck out. <laughs> like you're putting yourself out there so that you can actually authentically go out there, right? To, to get into it. But the other thing is you're demonstrating to others what it looks like to practice vulnerability, to practice openness, to practice walking together. And, and that forces us outside of our normal approach, which is to bottle up our imperfections and to put a good label on the front. And that's how... Like, this is like, y'all putting your business out there, <laughs> you know, which becomes healing for you, but also demonstrates to others what healing can look like for them. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the goal was, Trigger, maybe we should think through that again, you know, totally putting ourselves out there all the time. But no, 
I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I know. I was like, oh gosh, that's scary. <laughs> but yeah, that was the goal was to just um, let people see how you can come together and number one, you can disagree and it be okay. And you still be friends and respect each other and love each other, but not come to the conclusions the exact same way. No. Um, but then also to show people that it's okay to sit in the dark and that they're not alone in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I'm learning um, from Megan, honestly, to hold answers loosely, mm -hmm. you know? we don't, we think we know, you know, that's one of the things the church, we think we know, oh, we got all the answers. We have to hold those things loosely. Otherwise we're not learning. We're not growing. We're not allowing God to reveal things to us and transform us. We're not learning from each other. If we know everything and it's got to fit in this box or it's not right. It's a continual growing process. And I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. We're growing in public, you know, so it won't be perfect. Yeah. Cause ultimately this really taps into what is it that we're actually after? What is our actual goal? Is our goal comfort? Is our goal peace? Is our goal answers? Is our goal right thinking? Because whatever our goal is, that's going to influence what we do to get there and how we try to deal with it. If our goal is peace, then we may avoid conflict, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If our goal is justice, we may tear down oppressors around us right if our goal is right thinking we may like study 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 and the thing is is like none of those are necessarily bad things or bad like approaches it's just that they are specific approaches to get to a specific goal and those goals are different than the singular goal that jesus mentions which is seek first the kingdom <laughs> and that's a hard one because that costs us everything else. You, if I have to seek first and die mm -hmm. to everything else, that means I have, have to, like you said, hold answers loosely. I have to accept the reality. I might not get the answers I'm looking for. I might not get the justice I feel like I deserve. I might not get the peace that I want. I might not get, but the other part of that passage is seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will follow. And the thing is, is that, if we're trying to pursue these other things, we may get to a version of them, but every time it is going to be a smaller or more incomplete version than whatever version of it Jesus has offering. He says, I've come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. If our goal then is to walk towards God, that looks different than what we might've been doing in the past. Because if our goal is to get towards God and not to get right answers, then that means that we're going with open hands, with open minds. We're not trying to like wrap everything up in a bow. That means you're not ending your podcast with, well, okay, so which one is it? <laughs> which one of us is right? Right. It's like, no, actually the goal isn't to figure out who's right about this. It's about, are we taking a step towards God in this? Are we, are we taking a step towards loving each other in this? And it's a whole different way of living than what we often do in the church but it's the way that the church was designed to live and that's why we feel so much tension because we're we're living outside of the way that we're actually designed to function we're designed to love god and love others that's how we were built and when we actually do that we can find healing we can find answers we can find a bunch of stuff without things actually needing to get fixed like we could find peace without 
the situation actually changing because we're starting to realize, oh, maybe the world is different than what I once understood once I, I had once boxed in. Maybe things that function in a different way. Because again, the Apostle Paul, like he was a master theologian. He knew scripture better than any of us. And he got to a point where he was able to look back and say, as much as I knew scripture, I didn't understand it clearly because I was killing Christians. So like there was something that I missed about that. And so now I'm going to be living in a way where I am, I'm holding all of this loosely and really holding on to God. That's a, that's a lifelong journey, right? Like that's not something that we master and then we teach a master class on it. <laughs> you know, we're coming out of some wild times. We're coming out of the weirdness that was 2020. 2021 is, is equally strange and difficult for people and painful and confusing and frustrating, um, depending on people's situations. What would your words be to the church right now? What would your words be to the body of people, not even the physical building or the specific collection of a hundred to a thousand people, like to the capital C church, what do we need to hear and know so that we can walk with each other through the Saturdays? I think that sometimes we, we take, when we're talking about holding answers loosely, I think that sometimes we take the, the, the whole idea of separating ourselves a little bit to, you know, I feel like we, we, we're not going to be able to do that as much as we'd like to and be effective. Mm. I think there's truth to scripture and truth to, to separating ourselves and sanctif- you know, being sanctified and set apart for sure. But just like what Megan was saying about the community sitting with her and how powerful that was for her in that season, I think that we have to learn to sit with people. We're just going to have to and allow them to sit with us the whole idea of the them and us has to be looser than it is and not feeling like, you know, oh, well, I've been in church my entire life. So obviously I have the answers. There are people who've never been at church who have seen Jesus in a way we don't know. And we just got to be open to what God is doing. I feel like as much as it looks crazy, and I mean, that actually points right back to what we're saying, as much as it looks crazy, God is at work. He's doing something um, and he's moving. um, And we just got to, we have to hold tighter to him and looser on the answers because he's doing something that we, none of us can hold on to or understand. But I really think that is, it's a powerful thing to, to the best of our ability, try to sit in the pit with people and hear them and not so much correct people's feelings all the time. You know, that's, I think that's important. That designation of what it actually means to be set apart because Jesus was set apart and holy. And also he sat with everybody. Like he sat with everybody. The, you know, the scriptures like he sat with the sinners, he sat with the tax collectors, he sat with the adulterous woman, he sat with the Samaritan, he sat with he sat with everyone and was still holy, like still set apart. Yeah. Ah, like and and you're right. Like I think too often we think set apart means to put up barriers. And if we find ourselves having to sit with someone that we've decided we're not supposed to sit with then we got to fix them or change them first. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was confronted throughout scripture. Like people are saying, hey, yep, you can be a Christian, but first, you know, you need to be circumcised or, you know, you can be a Christian, but first you got to understand things this way. You can be it. And, you know, how many times the apostles had to exhaust so much of their energy saying, no, <laughs> like, no, like 
that's not no stop doing that it's crazy because he literally gave us an example i mean yep. he did it <laughs> i mean we see the example we read the scriptures and somehow we still come out with this whole other idea of what to do it's it's mm -hmm. really weird yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean just piggybacking off of sharika and holding things loosely what i would say to the church is we need to ask ourselves if we are pointing people to jesus or if we are pointing people to theology or even to the bible because and we talk about this in a podcast like yes the bible is there as somewhat of a guide but we also need to hold that loosely because if the bible becomes more important than jesus himself then that's wrong like the bible's supposed to point us to jesus we are not supposed to point jesus to the bible you know good that's good so i think like to the church like are you pointing people to theology to politics to the bible or to jesus and if it's not to jesus first then we need to rethink how we do everything because it just is really harmful to people yeah yeah because the cause scripture's been misused throughout history yeah. and even in scripture like satan uses scripture to try to mislead jesus like yeah. jesus absolutely loved scripture but he also knew who god was who he was and what god was calling him to and he was able to come back and say i i can hear you're trying to use this scripture to tap into this this need of mine or this desire of mine or this like other path but i know what god has said about who he is and so i'm not i'm not going for that right and so i, I think y'all are right it's seek first <laughs> god and his righteousness like everything else it's got to be moot compared to that but then when we do that then we actually can understand scripture in a in a deeper fuller way if I seek God, then I can actually understand why he created the church. So based on what you're sharing is when we when we look at the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, you know, as you described, you know, we we know about the crucifixion on Friday. We know about the resurrection on Sunday, but we forget that there is a passage of time between those two acts. He didn't just die on the cross and then immediately be like, hey, I'm alive again. There is this period of waiting and unknown and pain and loss that those closest to him had to walk through. They had to think, I wasted three years of my life and he died. They had to think, I believed in him and I feel like he let me down. They had to say, I gave up everything and now I have nothing. And now I've got this like mark on me as someone who followed the guy they just like, they had to spend a whole weekend in that place. And yet, the entire time they were doing that, Jesus saw them and knew them and understood them. Yeah. Peter's a great example. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knew that there would be a point after the Sunday where he would cook fish for him and say, all right, we're ready to bring this full circle, right? Like, so Peter was never actually alone. He was never actually unseen, ununderstood, like, Every second of that Saturday, he was seen and he was known. And, and it sounds like from what you are sharing, like that, 
reality is true for us today as well when we are in our Saturdays. So yeah, just closing up, any final thoughts or words, things that you want to communicate to people listening or that you just personally want to say about your own experience of the Saturday or the Sunday? One thing I would say is yes, like looking back, we can say, all right, in our personal Saturday, um, Jesus actually was there. He was walking with us, but oftentimes he walks with us in silence because he's letting us go through our process. And so, um, and that's not a cruel thing. That's actually a loving thing. When we're in the Saturday, we don't see him. Like I spent so much of my time in therapy being like, well, God just left me in these things. He left me in my childhood. He left me in things. And in reality, he, Jesus was there, but we don't see that when we're in the midst of it. So I would say for people listening, like it's okay if in the midst of your Saturday right now, like in the midst of your pain, you don't see Jesus and you don't think he's there. It's okay to be in that, in that space. And that's where I think community can come in and say, it's okay that you don't see Jesus here. I see him. And at some point you will. And sometimes we don't even need people to say that to us. At some points, if the women in my life had said like, no, Jesus, he was there. He is here. Like you're just not seeing him. I think I would have maybe wanted to punch them in the throat, but they said it in a much different, more loving way. And sometimes just didn't say it. Sometimes they just said, okay, like I get that. I understand that you do not see or feel Jesus in any of this and that's okay. So yeah, like it's okay if you don't see Jesus or feel him in something right now. Yeah, and I, I feel like for the, and I know I feel like I'm always talking to the church. Maybe I'm the church in one, we'll see. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like sometimes it's hard. I know it's hard for people in the church um, cause I've been there to allow someone to have that and say, it's okay. It's not always because we want to be right. Sometimes it's because we are afraid. There's a fear that if I let you go through this, you may never come back. And I have to control how you feel. And I have to control how you see Jesus because I really need you to know that Jesus loves you and that you love Jesus. And I, you know, and we want to just, I got to save this person. I'm the one who has to, because I'm the one she talks to. And I have to be the one to make sure she knows that Jesus is still there. And sometimes we need to know it's okay. It's okay. And you have a fear that you need to work on. It's not even her. She's in the pit, but you're the one afraid. And we need to allow Jesus, just like you said, Jesus knew what Peter was going to go through. He already had, he already knew Jesus is not shocked and we don't, he doesn't need us to protect him or to stand in the in mediation for this person who's going through as much as sitting it's possible we should be okay with the fact that Jesus is there and he's not shocked and it's okay. It's all right. Um, and when I hear her say people told her it was okay, I feel like sometimes we don't say that because we don't know for sure that it's okay. The church is legitimately afraid that it's not okay. And we just have to, to trust God mm -hmm. that it is okay, that he, he is working. That's good. Well, we could easily keep talking about this topic of the in-between for hours. And the good news is, is that there is a podcast that exists <laughs> that talks about the in-between. And so for anybody who wants to dive deeper into this, um, where can they find the podcast? How, how can they get to it? Spotify is probably the biggest way right now. And it's just under the in-between. It says our names in there somewhere, like in the bio. 
Yeah. And I always lead people di- directly to the Instagram because the link is there. That way you don't have to, if you're like me, I don't know Spotify All right. that well. So if you go to the in between on Instagram, then you can hit the link and you're there. And, and one final question, you know, when you think of the in between podcast and you're thinking about 2021, what would be something that could happen in 2021 with the podcast that would make you smile? Oh man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, just the fact that we have stuck it out through a season. Yes, that's good. <laughs> so a second season, I'd feel accomplished. But maybe you know, if we had some more listeners, that you know, it wasn't just Sharika and I listening to our own podcast. <laughs> and me, I'm a listener. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think it would be good too. I mean, it would bring me joy to to have people ask questions, you know, and, and feel comfortable, feel permission to say, yeah, this is a real hard thing for me and it's not making sense and be open enough to put it out there so that we could have that discussion. Yeah, I would be really excited about that. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the people what you've seen. Revived in him, new life in Maybe you're like me and you can get behind this idea of the Saturday on a philosophical level, but practically you're like, but God, why do you have to be silent? Why do you have to let me go through this pain? Why can't you just tell me, hey, this is what's happening? We may wrestle with really believing that Jesus is with us in the pit. As we were talking about that during the recording, I was hit with this thought that Jesus can be there even if we don't see or hear him. And I wondered, why doesn't he just say, here I am? And this is the question that hit me. Even if he said he was with us, would we have trusted him? Our daughter has uh, on occasion had what we're guessing are night terrors. She'll wake up screaming during the night. And for a bit, she'll be inconsolable. All the normal ways we can get her to feel comforted or to get her to smile or to get her to laugh, none of them work. There is something going on within her. You know, she hasn't completely come out of the nightmare that causes her to not be able to see, hear, or trust us. No matter what we say, we can't bring her out of that. All we can do is sit with her and wait. And eventually she comes around. Eventually she will allow herself to be comforted, allow us to make her laugh. And I wonder if that's sometimes how we are in life. That in our hardest moments, we are like my daughter, that even if God was yelling out, I am here, I see you, I love you, we might not be able to hear him or trust him. We may be so enwrapped in what we are experiencing, what we are perceiving, that we couldn't hear his voice even if it was speaking, that we wouldn't trust it even if we could hear it. And yet, what does God do? He does what my wife and I do. He sits with us. He waits with us. He comforts us even if we don't understand it. Because we know that our daughter is going to come through, that this night terror is going to pass, that she is going to be able to go back to sleep and wake up and feel great. And God knows that 
are situations that seem like the worst possible thing ever, he knows they are going to pass. He knows that all of this is going to fade away, that there is a full life and abundantly more that he has for us. And he understands that we can't see that yet and that our big life night terror seems, <sighs> seems overwhelming. But he knows what he has for us, and so he waits with us. I finished editing this episode today, and I woke up this morning feeling the weight of a hard situation. And so much of what this episode shared actually spoke to me as I edited it. I wrote something that I'm just going to read straight out here. Sometimes we want God to fix things more than we want his presence. But the latter is the greater of the two. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand in the best of situations. I'm navigating a hard thing I've been wanting God to fix for a while. Like the Apostle Paul with his thorn, I've been pleading and no dice. I awoke feeling the weight, but fortunately also an awareness that God is with me. So I said to God, in full recognition of all it would cost me, I'm going to keep walking. The very next thing I see is this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James 1.12 He's asking me to remain steadfast. He's also gently reminding me that the treasure I'll receive comes later than I'd like. I then spent some time editing an upcoming podcast episode digging into the painful space between the crucifixion and the resurrection, the Saturday, and finding so many of the words resonating. God is real, present, and active. So is our pain. To which are we giving authority over our heart, mind, soul, and strength? My encouragement for you today is that I genuinely believe that God loves you, that God sees you, that God is present, that God is active, that God is moving. And I also believe that that is a hard thing to see, to trust, to believe. So while it is my belief for you, I also want to affirm that it is okay if you are sitting in a space where you question that. It is okay that you might be sitting in a Saturday. Sunday will come. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you to think of ways to do what Sharika and Megan shared. Maybe for you it's journaling. Maybe for you it's community. Maybe for you it's prayer. Whatever it is, take those little steps, even if they feel minuscule. Just take whatever steps you can to press into this idea that God might be present, that Sunday might be on the horizon. And whatever comes out, no matter how small or big, take note of it. Because I do believe whatever night terror you might be experiencing in your life, morning is coming. I believe morning's coming for my situation, even if I can't perceive what that will look like right now. Morning is coming for you. God is currently with you. So even in the darkest of spaces, Jesus is with you in the pit. We have the ability, we have the privilege, and we have the gift of being able to ask the simple question of where did you see God?
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?